Hi, I'm Sahil. And I'm Huda. And this is The Power of One. official. Tell us a little bit about the rebrand. 2020 is the year. The reason for the rebrand has so many different facets to it, but the simple one is that no one can pronounce Ahimsa. He's Indian. And so just for some of the listeners, it's a Sanskrit word. Yeah. Gandhi was big on it because it meant non-violence. Yeah. Even though I'm personally not a big Gandhi fan, but that's why it stood out to me so much. And I'm like, I have to interview her. Well, for you, it might not be that difficult to pronounce. We've been running this business for two years and we'll get through middle of a podcast and everything will be live on air and then you'll go so tell me about a shwima and you're like oh, oh shwima is great <laughs> shwima has been doing really well <laughs> it's also not my brand you know and it just so if, if if that was the case that someone was taking the time to interview us for that long and they still couldn't pronounce the name then it really concerned me that it's found by most other people so it's great that you guys do know what a himza means but for those who don't know it does mean no harm Yes, I've been here for years. Yeah. They haven't been able to pronounce Sahil, so (laughs) I don't expect them to. Yeah, exactly. That was one driving reason. Another is that we've always called it AC. So okay. that was never unusual for us. Like it's it's been AC from day dot. And I think the third and final reason is that the ethos hasn't changed one bit one yeah. whatsoever. Um, Ahimsa is definitely the foundations in which we're born and which we will continue to run the business by. But the word Ahimsa, it almost preaches loudly about what we want to do. And the way we prefer to lead is from within the crowd rather than out and banging a drum. We found yeah. The most clear and concise way to get through cause change is by joining the crowd rather than trying to pre- you know, preach what you what you want yeah. people to practice. So no, we agree. Yeah, no, that's well, awesome. That's the main reasons behind it, and I think that it also lends itself to a a men's range. Oh, oh. this was going to be my first. That question. Act, that is something Sahil and I were discussing. I was like, what about me? Exactly, <laughs> and you're not the only one. We have so you wouldn't know this, but. The other half of the population are male and they also have the same problems as you. So our biggest philosophy uh, in the way we come across with design and aesthetic and business foundation is to create and cause people to make the change towards your product by the way they look and leading people to reduce their intake rather than completely stop. So I think that that's the only way that we can actually, as a society, really communicate that need. To reduce, yep. reduce your consumption of certain product rather is, than blanket rule it. Which is, yeah, which is kind of what I was thinking about. Like, I'm really interested in when I go shopping, I have no idea what I'm buying, what is it made of, how many industries are affected by <laughs> yeah. it, how unsustainable it is. Can you just tell me a few things that actually go into making of any fabric and like the not just animal cruelty but all sorts of human enslavement that goes into making something and why we don't think about it hat in hand i used to not think about it Mm. Um, that's exactly right yeah we were the same yeah it's not like i spent my life growing up by me doing this would cause 
cotton farms to do X, Y, Z. I didn't, you know, I've grown up my whole life being really hyper aware of my impact on the planet, but only in my direct from what my actions were. So turn the tap off when you're brushing your teeth, make sure that, you know, you don't leave lights on when you're not needed. Didn't have a expansive enough mind to think that actually that was for the greater good. It was more just that that was the way I was brought up. I was raised by the beach and my parents are, you know, really, really environmentally minded. And we, we were brought up not to use plastic. We, we always, you know, it wasn't that we, it wasn't that us kids chose not to use plastic. It's just yeah. in the house. So we didn't know that was a thing. And I think that goes, you know, runs deep. You know, all of my siblings are just the same. But what's really interesting is that I grew up always wanting to be a fashion designer and I moved to Melbourne to study fashion. And within my fashion course, at no point when I'm being taught how to pattern make a man's suit jet pocket, am I taught that the fibers that go into the fabric that I'm now using actually come from a plant. And for that plant to become a fabric, there are so many steps involved, mm. so many people involved and the land, the soil degradation the water usage all of the different elements that go into that are actually all part and parcel of when the designer chooses the fabric and then it. we just consume yeah well, thanks rambo life thing so, really we've got two dogs as well and they they're, they're just, just like, playing they don't totally and they keep hitting the, the mic yeah they just fucked up our podcast system they don't, that's the thing they don't give a shit what they <laughs> do you have pets uh, no i wish i did you live in an apartment i'm in a, yeah i'm in a town yeah and um i'm only allowed an imaginary dog right now fair enough so i have those <laughs> and he's all the time and i get birthday cards from him every year that's really sweet but that's more than what my dogs do actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very bad sounds of things at the moment. <laughs> so you use very interesting materials. Yeah. So for those who don't know, AC Official is founded to be an ethical and sustainable alternative to the leather and PU accessories market. So we set out with the intention to always use sustainable and ethical uh, material and truth be told we founded the business before there was actually a textile available mm. which sounds kind of weird but it was kind of yeah, what's like, going on in your head tessa yeah you right like, any research well i was just frustrated i was like someone's got to do something about this and then i was like hello if you're not doing it then no one else is going to do it exactly so, that was kind of where the business like came in. I, I started, you know, I was certainly not a sustainable designer. I was just a designer who got pissed off the way things were being done yeah. and decided to change the system. Mm. Um, and so it just, you know, as the universe works, at the same time as I was working on this idea, the crew in, in London working, were working with Pinatex and starting to, to innovate Pinatex, which is a leather made from the fibers of the pineapple plant. Yes. So we did know this, but I still get amazed. <laughs> it, it is mind blowing. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it has the most incredible texture. And I'm just. You, you're looking for it. I am. I'm looking for a little swatch. Here's one. <laughs> looks to those people who aren't on screen. <laughs> it looks like. That's actually awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And the back of it is felted. So it's got this, the most incredible, the fibers you can still see. You can actually see the plant fiber in the back of it. Oh my gosh. So it's one of the most, um, and it's ridiculously strong. I was going to ask. Yeah, like you, there's no way in the world I would get through it. It's like, it's literally, it feels like a leather. And the upkeep on it is boot polish. So it really wow. does emulate the idea of leather. Um, but for the most, 95% of that thickness is- Wow, that is really thick. Biodegradable. And the top layer is a resin, which has got, is a plant-based resin. So it is yeah. a PLA on the top, stops it from, um, being, makes it waterproof. That's amazing. So why do you think 
when these alternatives were always kind of available, why do you think people went straight to animal leather? Or is it just the cost of making them? Well, no. I mean, as a, I used to be a leather worker and leather is beautiful. It, it, mm. And I think that we've always held this um, leather as the top of the hierarchy. You know, mm. yes. caveman days. People wore leather because they killed that. And yeah, and it was probably also because yeah. if they ate the animal, yeah. they would use the whole thing. Yeah, that you wouldn't see them leaving behind anything. The way we consume now versus the way that we consumed then is entirely different. And therefore, I would say that um, the you know historically, leather was the only alternative. You couldn't imagine them stripping down pineapple leaves and filtering this into a process that now yeah. is very. We're much- a lot more resourceful now yeah. as well, and not, you know knowledgeable and. Yeah. There's information everywhere. And we need to be because there are so many of us humans that we actually need to find a workaround. And back then, there weren't. Well, I had this debate with someone and it was about leather. He said to me that leather is biodegradable. It goes back to the earth. So that was one point, mm-hmm. which I'm going to leave with you and you mm-hmm. can answer that. Yes. And then he had the other point, which is in third world countries, they don't have access to pineapples and all that sort of stuff. We, if we could tell you what... Tessa's face looks like right now. It's a million bucks. She's ready to slap me. So, firstly, leather is not biodegradable. Yes. If the animal died in a field still wearing its own skin, leather would return to the earth as it was meant to. That's the way Mother Nature intended it. What we do as humans to stop it rotting under your arm when you carry it as a handbag or in your palm of your hand as you carry it as a wallet is we imbue it with as many toxic chemicals as we possibly can under the sun to stop it from rotting. Two things about that. One, you know when you've seen an old petrol station and it's desolate now, but people can't build on the petrol station because it had petrol underground? Yes. Same thing applies to the leather tanneries. There is that much toxic chemical in the earth that they don't use that site any longer until it's been bedridden for as long as necessary that is insane i didn't know that so that's one really major part of leather and the turning process the chroming and everything that goes into it the other is that when it does go into land it leaches the toxic chem- chemicals so it actually destroys the soil so it cannot, right. cannot biodegrade. but leather if it didn't get tanned and if it had if none of that happened to it it would return to earth secondly actually these pineapples are grown in the philippines and they are very very readily available in the philippines pinatex is the byproduct of the pineapple farming industry and it's developed within communities that then give them a secondary income and actually a tertiary income because they can create a biomass within the farming of the pineapple plant which then can power yep. their own tractors and fuel their machinery that's necessary to run. So it's actually all-round good. Yeah, it doesn't stop. It's one of the most incredible textiles I've ever worked with. How many people are using Pinatex right now apart from you? Do you know, like in Australia? I keep waiting for like other businesses to start using it. Yeah, because it would really help. Kind of a conflict that you live with when you're doing something innovative is that you started it because you want some, you wanted the world to change and then the world's yes. changing and you're like, hey, this is my spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's such is, a double-edged sword. <laughs> but the thing is you you are a pioneer in this, right? You will always be known as the pioneer, someone who started this. Yeah. And you you have the advantage of continuously modifying, changing, playing with things that 
other people they're, they're way far you're behind. way ahead yeah, of the board. yeah i think being a um you know we come from the place of privilege where we founded the business with the ethos that you guys share we're mm-hmm. not like the big businesses who then went oh fuck the world's changing we better catch yeah. up but what yeah. if we do that we don't, we don't have any of that think about it's like yeah. oh we're going to see a new direction we're going to take that direction and it makes us agile and it makes us really like bold business owners and i also think that that's probably the key to being a really um being a millennial business is that you need need to be able to see a direction and change tack it's taught us anything it's that pivoting your business can be you know to echo the sentiments of society is imperative to absolutely so pineapple is not the only material you use no well actually so i love pineapple yes really delicious 2020 has seen us start working with a new material called deserto cactus leather and it is unbelievable this is what it looks like wow so it literally looks (laughs) like yeah It's wild. It's one of the most wild things I've ever come across. And I have to say, AC looks... A- that looks AC pretty looks. badass. Imagine that in half for a men's wallet. Ew. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, that'll be cool. So, so how does that work? So cactus leather is um, launched onto the scene in November of nineteen of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met the founders basically as soon as they launched. They're based in Mexico. Um, they are two young guys. Really, really great opportunity and really resilient. It's also a perennial plant so it never actually gets taken out of the ground so that doesn't that which, which equates to lack of soil de- degradation yeah. it nourishes the soil um through its nutrients it native to the area and additionally it actually doesn't have any irrigation required it just feeds yeah. a friend yeah which is yeah. which That's is actually amazing. quite incredible right like because it's it's great for countries where water like including australia actually i remember there was a time when australia we were so careful about water and suddenly yeah. now we're like oh that problem doesn't exist yeah absolutely so this is the stat that um adrian texts me who's the founder of deserto yesterday we were chatting about water usage and we get really nerdy when we're talking about carbon sequestration we're very like-minded we go talking about carbon sequestration and tequila so it's quite fun in our 14 acres of cactus that we currently use for deserto we absorb 8,100 tons of co2 per year and we only generate 15.3 tons of co2 per year at the farm which includes all the diesel electricity for processing it into the cactus feedstock and then transformed in the factory. Wow. So he's like... It's a remarkable statistic. It is when you compare it to some notes I have for you. To create one kilogram of animal leather, one kilogram. Yeah. Let's keep in mind that uh, a cow creates six kilograms of leather as its entire hide. So one kilogram takes 17,000 litres of water. And (laughs) to create one square metre of polyurethane requires 14 kilograms of CO2. 14. That is insane. Square meter. Yeah. You know, I just feel that we've grown up to not necessarily consider that. And I think the ground yep. is happening in the generation below us and they are awake and they are. Yes. And they well, are. That's, yeah. That's kind of the other thing, right? Like maybe there is a reason why we don't know about it. Well, that's right. There is a reason. Absolutely. And also I think convenience has really reigned supreme in the last 30 years. Mm. Or it's normal. And now with fast fashion. (laughs) And I mean, I remember because I was born and brought up in India, right? Like there's been a surge of stores like Zara. It's like Mm -hmm. everyone in India, because India has economically grown, 
mm-hmm. now everyone's buying Zara and they realize because in India there's such a vast population they kind of reduce the price especially because when we talk about you know places such as India we really are looking at so many of the classes that actually make this product for the prices that we pay that we saw a huge you know Rana Plaza in 2013 shook not just Bangladesh but the entire yeah. industry and yeah it took you know the the foundation of fashion revolution to really bang its drum and cause a lot of um, noise about it and I think we've seen this entire shift away from that in our niche area of sustainable and ethical brands and going yeah. back to why we rebranded you know we we want to appeal to the masses through our design and being modern and timeless we, we don't yes. want to feel that this is a niche because if we're niche we're not going to cause any change and not being able to relate Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So there are a couple of friction points that you see from a consumer path to market and, and making that consumption decision. Um, and I think like from a like class and ethical standpoint, I mean, we're talking here and it's Tuesday and we're about to lead into Black Friday, you know. So did you face a lot of barriers? I do every day. I mean, it's getting easier. When we first started, we were this like upstart of people who were like, this is about to change and we're going to make it happen. But no one would work with us because yeah. We had a logo on a website, but we didn't have anything else. Talking retrospectively, it sounds like I'm talking 10 years ago, but I'm literally talking two and a half years ago. That's how much changed. And are there any government incentives at all for startups like you? Does the government, especially in Australia, uh, subsidize it in any way? Well, there's lots of different grants out there. We've never received any of them yet, but that's also because we haven't applied for many of them yet because grant writing is a very long process. Yeah. 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 So we haven't we haven't applied ourselves to that element of um, business yet. Yeah. We, but we've we've really grown from community, and we did yeah. a lot of our growth through community get-togethers. So we held documentary screenings in bars, and yeah. So what sort of documentaries? When we get to the nitty-gritty of how AC really founded, it was literally a conversation about a plastic ocean documentary. So my sister this documentary and said, "You have to watch it." I'm crying, but you have to watch it. So yeah. I watched it, and I went into yoga the next day, and I was furious. I mean, that I'd seen and I just told everyone that I knew you have to watch this documentary and the next thing I knew we were deciding we were going to hold a documentary screening we didn't have a brand we weren't anyone's we were just you know people who were who cared and um we hired a cinema and started selling tickets to this documentary screening we saw it out and then we were like we'll do it again then we just have to see this it was interesting you know we had over 500 people end up going to the documentary screening so that was our touch points direct communication with 500 people we didn't already know before we had a brand that we even knew we were going to do and more about a frustration about the amount of plastic that was in the ocean and and why there's plastic in the ocean yeah i mean especially now you've seen that picture going around with like birds having oh the monkeys as well oh the monkeys yeah oh i, <sighs> I walked past today a disposable coffee cup next to a disposable mask and the worst it is i usually yeah disposable cup but the mask i get sticks and i get the stick and I... but the thing is you've got to cut the because that gets um, tangled. I can put it in my pocket. I just, <laughs> just take it. I take scissors with me when I leave. So how is <laughs> it dealing with the pandemic? Keep production going? Kind of like designing cars when no one's leaving the house, no one needs a handbag. That's On true. Other hand, <laughs> I didn't even think that. about that. <laughs> I never thought about that. Which can be challenging. But on the other hand, we are still a startup and we've never paid ourselves for the business. We don't rely on the income of the business to, you know, live. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to be honest, the it ground the pandemic ground the world to halt, and I think everyone reevaluated what their mission in life was and what they cared about. 
Yeah. We saw an uptick in sales, actually. I think people have enough time to, to research. Down and research. And I think if you research enough, you're going to end up all roads lead the same way. So, yeah. We, you know, we saw some really, we've had a great year of sales. I mean, relative, obviously, we're a tiny business in the scheme of things. And when I say great year of sales, it means we sold through our production um, mm, and wow. we were able to work through and develop cactus leather with the boys from Deserto. And all of this, this precipice we're sitting on, of it's about to all become undone every that that ground halt that we've just sat in resume and we're going to come into this with a new set of values and the way we we look at our family life our work life our balance i think one of the, the most interesting things i've seen this year has been that when the money dries up people think about where they spend it flows again people go you know what i'm not gonna buy from the big guy because i know that the lady around the corner if i buy that coffee from her it's gonna really feel i think yeah. we should be really proud of ourselves here in melbourne and we've had a tough year but we we i think we really we do like to support the small guy when you tell people about, you know, pineapple leather, they would think, oh, that's not even that strong. Yeah. yeah. So firstly, we were very bolstered by the fact that we we're the only brand in Australia to be working with Pinatex and to have the contract with Pinatex. And as we launched, Hugo Boss launched their range of Pinatex, which oh. really put us in good stead for saying, well, if Hugo Boss is going to invest in this, then the other, but the other part of, I guess, marketing a sustainable fashion brand, which by the way, is a massive oxymoron because how can you have sustainable fashion? But anyway, we won't go into it. The part is political um awkward guilt-ridden conversation that you don't want to have and you didn't ever want to have that and it yeah. really can be polarizing and i think as much as we've had a great year in sales and it's been brilliant it, one of the biggest things that we had to do this year was really sit back and think about how we communicate and start. it should be a conversation exactly telling someone how they shouldn't shouldn't live you should be conversing yep. as to how and why you live a certain way and if they choose yes. that way then great all right so what are you hoping to achieve next so my goal i guess with the brand is to really cross the threshold um between being a a sustainable brand to being a sustainable business and i think that that comes from the messaging of i'm not anti-leather I'm pro planet. I'm not trying to get you to I just I just want to show you this other option that you have and you can still carry your leather bags if you already own them please do like I don't want you to just replace I'd like you to choose our product just the same as you would choose any others so that's my big vision is to be able to assimilate with the entire market and mm-hmm. and talk to everyone on a level that comes from a place of peace rather yeah. than anything that's too brazen well it sounds amazing so AC official, official. yeah no. honestly some of your stuff looks amazing you. and it just looks like a normal designer bag after making a change you realize oh my god there are so many things yeah um so to have someone like you out there it feels like no one's missing out yeah and i'm really glad you put it that way because you actually put it more eloquently than what i would put it yeah it really pissed me off that you couldn't live a certain set of values and still buy something that was beautiful like that's why i see that's why i design it the way i do i want it to be an approachable timeless classic that goes with everything you own uh, yeah. and that everyone wants to buy and i also want to break down that barrier between having a really expensive handbag and not caring about the planet i think you can have a price point that says i care about the planet and i invest in quality pieces blowing my entire week's wage on this and i'm saving up and i'm going to in, i'm going to buy the right piece without mm-hmm. being a cheap fast fashion pu option and without being an overpriced luxury handbag that you're buying for the bling on the front and i think you've changed the image especially of people just don't think about you know that you have to be the hippie vegan <laughs> yes like, go have braids right? and 
stuff. On the hemp and the dreads. Like that's yeah. that's like my polar opposite of my aesthetic. Yes. Yeah, still be classy as yes. fuck. You can still be <laughs> and carry a really good bag and not feel guilt for it. Every every little element is just I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Like nice. There is function and fashion embedded in every single style. I's are dotted I love and it. T's are crossed. Come on, you've heard that. No, I haven't. That's really Don't worry, Tessa. I've heard of it. It's oh, really cool. I'm <laughs> Thank you so much. And like, I wasn't going to say this, but now I kind of have to. Oh my God. Uh, follow go. AC official. <laughs> he was always going to say that. Apparently it's good. I can probably Dude, do you'll have yours. Okay. You'll walk around with AC stuff too. Well, I'm waiting for <laughs> Tessa to take something out for me. It's coming. Don't you wait, worry. You can call it the Sahil edition. Exactly. <laughs> she wants a brand to go up. <laughs> True. <laughs> but thanks for taking out the time, Tessa. It was I've never had a fun conversation about fashion like this. To be very honest. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was so lovely to meet you, babe.